When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Ah, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the Macca's Run. Try the quarter pound of bacon at Macca's today. Hope you've had a good day as you possibly can, however you've been putting it in, wherever you've been putting it in. It is wonderful to have your company for the Macca's Run, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us, right around the country on the SEN network. Uh, We catch you up to speed on the Macca's Run on all the major sporting stories of the day, and you can have your say on the news of the day on the Harcourt's open line, 1300 736 736. Your move, your Harcourt's for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourt's for all things sport. Speak to us here on the Macca's Run, and you can text in 0433-981116 on the Temper 40 Winks text. Consumer's Choice winner, Temper mattresses, pillows, adjustable bases that conform to the exact shape of your body. Never will you have a more comfortable night's sleep than you will uh, on a Temper. Um, as we go to air tonight, a story dropping just 20 minutes ago uh, on the Age website. So Adam Pingilly uh, is reporting that Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman will be announced tonight as two of the next seven Live Golf Circuit signings. The Greg Norman run, Saudi-backed Live Golf Circuit, which has turned the golfing world on its head, uh, the most tumultuous year in the sport in its history. Um, And Adam Pengilly reporting what was being reported um, a couple of weeks ago, the Telegraph. Um, before the PGA, uh, before the FedEx Cup St. Jude's were reporting that the 29-year-old Smith had signed on a $140 million deal to join Liv after winning the Open at St. Andrews in its 150th year. So they joined the names of Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, just to name a few. They'd only been able to sign one player inside the top 20 had Liv. Signing the world number two uh, gives them a massive boost in the competition's credibility. And then what does that mean for golf in Australia as well? Aussie Matt Jones is also part of the Live Tour, the two-time Australian Open winner. And there's a couple of other younger players uh, who have been playing some tournaments. But there is a tournament starting this weekend in Boston. And the belief is, according to the reports in The Age from Adam Pengilly, that Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman will be announced along with five others tonight. So you do not want to miss tonight's episode of Off the Tee. Nick Ahern will be in. And this will be the biggest story uh, in Australian golfing history if this is to be the case. So there is plenty to dissect and plenty to talk about, but that being reported in the age that it will be announced tonight that Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman are off. Both those players have uh, recently released videos to say that they will be back in Australia for the Australian Summer to play the Australian PGA and the Australian Open. 
So that all sort of makes sense as you start to join the dots over what's been going on over the last couple of months. You can have your say on that, one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the Harcourts open line. You'll move your Harcourts uh, and on the Temper 40 Winks text. So there's two sleeps to go until finals. And I reckon our anticipation levels, our excitement levels are at the highest level that they've been at in recent memory. Because I reckon footy's better than it has been in recent memories. I'm, I'm talking sort of over the last four to five, maybe more years, as we were in the, the congestion era, the defend with the ball in hand era that we're working our way out of now. We're, in, we're getting back into the entertainment era of football and it's, it's the progressive coaches that are bringing us there. And to the credit of some of the older coaches who have adopted the new way of playing footy, that we've seen this year and the exciting games that we've been able to see, the close games, the comebacks, all of that. We've, over the last couple of days, we've debated the pros and cons of the pre-finals buy, so I don't particularly need to go down that path again. We understand the stats um, that Jared Waitley spoke about in terms of that it hasn't been a blessing to the qualifying finals winner since its inception. But I'm worried. And I'm worried a little bit about something else, and I hate to do this. And I'm going to need your help with this. But I'm going to be that guy. The fun stopper, the wet blanket, the naysayer, the negative Nelly, all those rolled into one. I went back and had a look at a couple of things today. It was almost a shower thought, but we save shower thought for the sporting capital. We straighten up a little bit for the Maccas run. Uh, try the quarter pound of bacon at Maccas today, by the way. Thanks to our very good friends at Maccas. Since the pre-finals buy, I'm going to make this statement. And I've got a little bit to back it up, but I need you to put my mind at ease. Since the pre-finals buy came in in 2016, the majority of the week one finals games have been dead set fizzes. Except for 2020, where all those games were within three goals and two of them were single digit margins. Take that out. And since 2016, they have just been non-events. And we've got ourselves geared up, we've got ourselves excited, we're pumped up, we've had a week off footy, uh, we're ready, we're raring to go. Um, for those who took in the AFLW, you, you've had your bit of footy fill or went back to the country footy or the VFL or the Metro Suburban. But since 2016, they have been fizzers. Now, we'd consider a close game, wouldn't we? Three goals and under, preferably two goals and under. You want your finals to be arm wrestles. You want them to be close. You want them siren to siren sort of encounters with the game in the balance for as long as possible and for as deep into the game as possible. Since 2016, nine games out of the 24 have been within, within three goals. Six of them have been within two goals. And as I say, take out 2020 when all four of week one finals were within three goals. Then that would be five games out of 20 just that's not good enough surely I'm wondering if teams are a little sluggish in the first week of the finals because they've had that week off only five games have had a team kick over 100 points so we all know finals are a little bit tougher to score because the defences are better I get that and no game in a pre-finals by week or the pre-finals by era no game have had both teams kick over 100 points. The average margin is 31 points. And without the 2020 games, it's 37 points. If you go back before the buy, at least two out of four ended up being good games. 2015, three out of four were close. So I'm starting to get worried. So I need you to reassure me. I need you to do what Damien Hardwick 
told us to do earlier in the year, and that's put our positive pants on. I've got high anxiety. I need you to put my anxiety to rest that week one is going to be a letdown. Tell me why this year's finals are going to be an absolute cracker. Please put my mind at ease. Tell me why I should have nothing to worry about. Nathan Buckley was on with Jerry Waitley today and, and spoke about what the, uh, the, the qualifying finals games can be for the teams that finish third and fourth. I think the qualifying finals, are the, the, they're free hits. Yeah, especially for the third and the fourth place sides. You know, you get, you get a chance here to jump from a team that's been just fighting to sometimes just fighting to stay in the aid or fighting to push up to get a double chance. And then you get it. And then you get into these games and you can be in a prelim. So I think that they're, um, you know, if you've been a dominant team in the top two, there is a little bit of trepidation that can come with it. And you, you, if you play your best footy, you're going to win. But you can be uh, you can be got, and that's why I think the you know the Melbourne Sydney game and the Geelong Collingwood game are very interesting contests. So Bucks is telling us that they're going to be very interesting contests. I need you to tell me. I need you to reassure me. I just had this little worry when I was uh, giving myself a scrub today uh, in the shower, a scrub, a clean, cleaning myself, the all of myself, uh, just standing in the shower, having a shower, thought. And I just started to get worried. And I went back and had a look over the pre-finals by era, week one finals, and there wasn't much to write home about. There's a few that stand out. There's been a few crackers. But as I say, only nine out of the 24 have been within three goals. Only six out of the 24 within two goals. Jimmy on the road, can you put my mind at ease, please, mate? Well, hopefully. I think unlike the past however many years, this first week of finals... When I look at it, they're nearly all pretty. They're nearly all really evenly matched. I reckon going in. So you've got Geelong and Collingwood. Collingwood are on a dream run. It'll almost, well, maybe feel like a with a massive home supporter base. A lot of Collingwood supporters at the G. A lot of crowd behind them. They're always pretty evenly matched. I reckon Geelong and Collingwood fairly close. So I, that could. I mean, Geelong are red hot favourites, but. Who knows? I mean, Collingwood on there, you know, I think it's pretty evenly matched, to be honest. You've got Brisbane and Richmond. Brisbane have just sort of scraped, well, they're not playing that well, but on their home deck, they're always a tough proposition. They need to bounce back. And I reckon Richmond and Brisbane are pretty evenly matched. Uh, Melbourne and Sydney tossed the coin, I reckon, flip of a coin with them two going in. Maybe Frio are probably... I think Frio will do the Bulldogs over in Perth. Mm. But other than that, I think it's all pretty evenly matched. Well, the Lions are actually the only team coming into finals after a loss. So there's something that most teams are actually coming in on the up. Uh, and I think maybe the, the week off, Brisbane are a team that it w- it'll, it'll actually help because they a chance to reset their minds. It's helped teams with injuries, I know that, and getting players cherry ripe. But I... I was sitting on the fence yesterday about the pre-finals buy, and now with, with, with this in mind, with this information here, Jimmy, it may have swayed me. But this is not so much a chat about the pre-finals buy as it just is about the week one of finals. And, and are, is it living up to the billing? Uh, are we getting the kind of calibre of games that we'd expect for the pointy end of the season? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And, of course, for Geelong, I mean, have we ever seen... Actually, I might save that one for a shower thought. That is a shower thought, my thoughts on uh, Geelong. But Tony's in queue. He wants to talk Collingwood and Geelong. Tony, put me, just put my mind at ease, please. Tell me that I'm barking up the wrong tree here. So just to remind me, uh, which tree are you barking up? And I'll let you know. 
the one I was just previously talking about, that week one of the finals, after in the pre-finals by era, the majority of the games have been fizzers. Oh, fizzers mean, meaning blowouts, correct? Yeah, they just haven't been close. They haven't really been anything yep. of anything. The average margin is 31 points. Yep, yep. No, I hear what you're saying, and uh, the statistics don't lie, or, although maybe sometimes they do, but I think in this case they don't. Uh, look, I reckon the, uh, the Geelong and Collingwood final will probably be the closest, and I reckon that the Cats will win by about 10 goals. So you think that'll be the closest game of the Week 1 finals and you're calling it a 10-goal win to the Cats? Well, I, I think you can see the humour, but um, <laughs> I really do <laughs> I really do believe that um, Geelong will march all over Collingwood and uh, there'll be nobody there to save the game for Collingwood with 30 seconds to go. And they've had a fantastic run. You can't take that away from the Collingwood Football Club. They've done everything they possibly can, but... Um, you just wonder how long that run is going to continue. I think that Geelong's going to put a great big full stop and exclamation mark against Collingwood. And uh, I reckon eight, between eight and ten goals is pretty close. Tony, you're looking to do something that I stopped doing a long time ago um, when I, after I predicted that Collingwood would miss out on the eight by percentage because I, like you said, well, the good luck has to run out sooner or later. As I said before, if you walk into a casino and you're walking through and you go to the roulette table and... You see red or black, and it's got black, 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 black. You go, well, surely it's going to hit red. And it just hasn't hit red. It did against the Swans, literally. It hit red and white. But black, black and white, has been hitting. Well, they win 12 out of 13 on the run home. How many by under two goals? How many comebacks? I think it was eight comebacks since round 13 or something along those lines. I've got I've got the stats written down somewhere, but I've stopped trying to apply logic to something that has defied logic, and I just give myself over to the footy gods and say, Collingwood is just... I don't know. I have no idea what they can and can't do. Anything is possible. Anything. Every From all extremes to them having a, a blowout win to being thumped in a blowout loss and everything in between. One thing I will say is that I'm going to go back to the original point I made, is this season, I think, finally we're moving back into the entertainment era. So I am anxious. I am nervous. The numbers are telling me that these week one finals don't live up to the billing. But I believe, and I'm talking myself into this, that because we are seeing a change in the way footy is played, we're, in the, we're getting back into the entertainment era, and coaches speak openly about it, that maybe this year we'll get three out of four, maybe even all of them will be absolute humdingers. I hope so. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I've got some text there that I'll go through with your thoughts uh, on our expectations for week one of the finals. I don't want to be the Grinch. It's not the role I like to play, but I'm just troubled. But maybe I need to have a little bit more faith because footy um, is reinstilling our faith in it again. Uh, Essendon, of course, a major talking point today. Sam Edmund had a breaking story uh, about who the senior players want as the senior coach at Bomberland. Uh, I'll bring that to you on the other side of this. Uh, the Maccas run. Try the quarter pound of bacon at Maccas today. Welcome to the Maccas run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today. Now, there's a group of players at Essendon who want Ross Lyon to take control of their club. The feedback I've been given is that some of the big names in that playing group want a strong hand, someone to really come in and take the bull by the horns. Ross Lyon would obviously be that man. I, th I think David Barham's quote 
a more experienced coach might give us the best chance is a truer reflection of where the club's mind sits rather than than Josh Marnie's attempt to clarify that on ABC Radio over the weekend, that experienced coach could mean a long-time assistant coach. Now, that might have been, obviously, to protect them from having egg on their face and the chance they do go for a first-timer. But with Ross Lyon, that's who I'm told the players would want. Sam Edmund today uh, just doing a, a fine, fine job, as always, the Chief Sports Reporter at SEN. And if you're an Essendon fan, surely that has you nervous, that the playing group that refused to buy in to any kind of defensive game plan this year with the Bombers. The easiest team to score against in the competition on any given day. Worst in the competition for pressure at various stages throughout the course of the year. They're saying who they want as coach and believing that they have a say in who the club appoints as coach. Uh, Essendon fans, one 736 736 Tim Watson spoke at length about Ross Lyon uh, as a potential coaching option today. Goes for about two and a half minutes. Worth listening to sen.com.au for that one. A couple of people calling through. Actually, Butch is in Sydney uh, who wants to talk about the Bombers. G'day, Butch. Sam, how are you, mate? Now... Just uh, I'm just a little I'm a little curious because when I was living in Sydney for a year, I played AFL nines uh, with a butch who barred for the <laughs> Bombers, and I'm just curious whether that might be you, mate. There's only one, Sam. Oh, That's correct. Yes. Yeah, so, mate, great to hear from you, buddy. I, I listen to you regularly, and um, I uh, I just caught I was driving back from the shops and caught you talking about the Bombers, and I thought I'd call in and reflect on a few things. Um, well, I know how big Obviously a fan you are. You, you called our you called our AFL Nines team red and black caviar, uh, and so you are as that, wide in the wool bombers as there is. So far away, my friend. Yeah, correct. Um, and obviously, it's been a difficult year and a, a difficult couple of decades for Essendon fans, no doubt. Um, you know, listening to what Sam said today about uh, Ross Lyon, I, from in my opinion, he's been the right coach um, and will be the right coach for the club. Um, if they can somehow get him, but obviously there's a six-person panel. That's actually not why I wanted to call up and uh, mention about the Bombers. What I wanted to talk about was uh, a lot of talk in the media in the last you know, several months about Essendon, the culture at the club, uh, and particularly the playing group potentially being uh, a big part of the issue. One thing I've reflected on over the past couple of months and that I've realised is that there's not one Essendon player on the list or that has left in the last five years that is married with kids. And I know that that might sound like a strange statistic, but I think it's very reflective of uh, the maturity of the group, uh, what the, the club and the players value. And it's not, it's not, I've not heard one person in the media mention that fact, but it's a very unusual statistic that uh, there's a club out there that doesn't have mature players that are married with kids, and I think it's a it's a real factor. So I've um, never, and I've I think never, it's something the club needs to look at. I've never thought about that or, or, or realised that. Why do you think that's an issue? And um, I, I thought there might have been a couple of players that, that had kids there. It's not something I've checked out. Why do you think that's an issue, Butch? Well, Jake Stringer has kids, but he's not married, and they weren't to to that partner. So. Why I reflect on that is I think that it says a lot about the maturity of that group and maybe what's important to them and what they value. And potentially it's all, for all these guys, it's, it's too much footy uh, and that's all there is to their life is footy. And I'm not sure that they have um, that sort of outlet, I guess, that, that others have. And you look at other clubs and successful clubs with cultures and you know, they bring their kids into the rooms before and after the games. 
and there's, there isn't that culture at Essendon, and it hasn't been for, for some time. You look at guys like Joe Watson, David Zaharakis, Kyle Hooker, uh, and recently Michael Hurley. I think Adam Saad was the only one that was married and had children, um, and obviously he left the Carlton. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's something that's it's, it's overlooked, and um, the, I think it's something that the club should look at potentially bringing in players that have that type of life experience or things like that. Um, because, yeah, I, I think it's a strange one. You've actually caught me off guard because I, I, I'm trying to figure out. I just had, we just had our first, and I'm trying to think if it's made me more settled. It's definitely made me more tired. Um, and I, so I'd, <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd have so. to think about it a little bit more um, and try. And, and I wonder whether there's, it would take someone from who's been around in footy clubs over a certain amount of years to say that. And it might also just be indicative of the fact that they are a very young list, so it's just not something that those players have gone through in their lives yet, which isn't a negative reflection on them. It's just, as you say, it, it might be a little strange that there's so few, if any, um, that, are, that, are, that have uh, got that family set up. So, mate, I, have, I actually don't have any answer to that, but I'm going to have to uh, have a look into it. Uh, great to chat to you, Butchie, and we'll catch up with you when I'm in Sydney next. Yeah, look forward to it, Sam. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Patrick's been waiting patiently. Uh, a young fellow from Gisborne with Dad in the car as well. Patrick, hello, mate. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm good, buddy. What have you got for me? I'm um, just want to talk about the Brisbane and the Richmond game coming up this Thursday. Go for it, mate. What do you reckon? Um, well, I think I reckon you know we've had a struggling couple of weeks after that Melbourne loss. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it would have done a little bit of damage mentally, but they are going into their fourth finals campaign in a row, the Lions, and, and so I think they'll be much better prepared. Uh, they know what's around the corner for them. There's just, I suppose, a bit of history going against them, only winning one out of six. But are you confident this week? Do you think they can get a win? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, having Cam Rainer out is a um, big, big thing for us. 100%. I'm a big Cam Rainer fan. I'm, I, I reckon he's going to take the competition by a scruff of the neck uh, at some point not in the not-too-distant future. Hey, it's been great chatting to you, Patrick. Good luck to your Lions this weekend, mate, and give me a call next week uh, after the game. Yeah, see ya. Thanks for talking. Uh, anytime. Uh, back after this, Matt Rendell to review the teams that didn't make finals. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. It's good. It's good, yeah. It's good to be here for another year. I'm very grateful to be going into my eighth season after this now, which is exciting. I didn't think I'd last a year, to be honest. But, um, no, it's good to be here and I'm stoked. Nathan Broad, short, sharp and uh, to the point. I reckon that's exactly what he's like as a player too. No frills, uh, no mucking about. Just gets the job done week in, week out. So another year for... Uh, Nathan Broad, multiple premiership player with the Tigers. I reckon he's one of the first picked by Damien Hardwick. So good news coming uh, out of Punt Road earlier today. Uh, Dave's in Mernda. Wants to talk week one of the fight. Actually, wants to talk Ross Lyon and uh, whether he will be Essendon's next coach. Dave, hello, mate. Yeah, g'day, Sam. Uh, great listening to you. Also, great call on the weekend uh, for, for, for the AFLW, and it was uh, fantastic listening on SEN. So, um, yeah, good, good on you. Uh, um, thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about the um, the Ross line. Um, I, I guess um, so, sometimes I guess you go back, and I guess being a passionate St Kilda supporter, um, I, I guess my concern with him being, you know, going to Essen is not that it, it overly phased, but I, I think he's sort of 
the type of person that goes in for the now and goes in for that premiership, um, if, if you understand what I mean. That's his sort of, his coaching style. Um, I guess what Essendon, I guess is, you know, the faithful there, maybe they need to consider, you know, is it just to get that silverware back in the cupboard to be who they are and be that big club back in Victoria? Um, but, you know, then what happens? Are they going to go back in, in 10 years' time? Cause, I mean, I'm dealing with St Kilda from 2011. Is it going to be 10 years' time? Again, we're going to go through the exact same scenario through Essendon. And are they then going to be almost in the same basket that the St Kilda are with, you know, constantly changing and changing um, coaching just to get that piece of silverware? I mean, absolutely, his coaching is outstanding. I mean, we say, you know, he he's never had the Holy Grail, but, um, you know... His coaching style even changed the rule for the sheer fact that, you know, we play extra minutes because of, you know, he drew he drew a grand final against the biggest club in the land. Yeah, I, look, I think absolutely. I mean, there's an, every single team in the competition wants to win a premiership. Essendon are no different. The, the trick is, um, and the real skill uh, about running your football club is to once, that you, once you are able to get that premiership, how do you then sustain the run that you're on? How do you make sure you leverage off it from an on-field and an off-field point of view? And that's the art of running a football club. So that's, those are all the questions that come after. But in the meantime, um, you, they need to find out, Essendon, who is the right person to get them back on the right track and make them, um, yep, they can have 85,000 members and all the commercial success in the world but if you are largely irrelevant on field as they have been um, more often than not over the last decade or more um, despite having those big games um, Dreamtime and Anzac Day if it wasn't for those there wouldn't be a whole lot having there wouldn't be a whole lot spoken about with the Bombers and there should be given that they are a traditional big four club so who will take them back to that echelon um, that's what they need to decide. Uh, Jordan Lewis had this to say about the coaching process. We're going through that early phase at the moment, and then I would imagine once all the applicants are in, uh, that'll start to ramp up over the next four weeks. So that's a, it's an exciting thing to be a part of. I think it's important to come in with a really open mind in terms of who may apply for the job and who may also secure the job in the end. Um, experience is, is great, and it's probably a club that, that needs an experience, whether it be a senior coach or an AFL assistant coach. Um, but me personally, I'll be as open-minded as I possibly can in terms of the applicants that apply and also who we may select in the end. And for Essendon fans, what does a process mean? We'll go back and have a listen to Saturday Crunch Time. Leon Cameron spoke in detail about what's involved in the process, and it can be a six-week um, uh, it can be something that goes over the course of six weeks and there is a whole lot that goes into it in terms of the application. So the big question is whether Ross Lyon's willing to do that process uh, to be the next coach of the Bombers. Um, Bombers are just one uh, of ten clubs that, that didn't make finals this season. And I thought we'd get a man on who is a list management uh, list manager extraordinaire, recruiter extraordinaire. He's also a two-time All-Australian Ruckman, if you don't mind, and a very good friend of this program, just to run his eye over the clubs that didn't make it this year um, to find out why. What went right, what went wrong, and what do they need? Matt Rendell, hello, mate. Uh, g'day, Sam. How you going, buddy? Very well. Um, let's just crack straight into this because I know we've, we've got, got a good a... line. Just check. We've got a good line. We've got first. a good line. At, yeah, I've got you loud <laughs> oh, and clear. Okay. We've had oh, some good. dramas today, but hey, we've got you yeah, loud I've and clear, heard. and that's the important thing. Mm. Um, so these, we've got a big week of finals coming up. Um, but for the teams that didn't make it, and for those who are listening at the moment, um, and there's more fans um, that didn't make it than there is for, for teams that did, Ooh. let's just run the rule uh, over 
and get you to put the lens over these teams. And we'll start ninth and work our way down. So, Carlton, what went right? Oh, okay. Uh, just let me change this because I, I was, I was going to go with North. I was going bottom up. So, um, well, we can start at North oh, if you want. Why don't we go? Uh, we'll, we'll start at 18 with North. What went right? Sorry, uh, what went right at um, Carlton? Look, okay. uh, love their brand of footy. You there, Sam? Yeah, far away. We've got you loud and clear. What went right yeah, at Carlton? Okay, love their brand of footy. It's uh, it's final footy. Um, you've got to love what they did there. Nice and tough. One contested ball. Oh, for 21 games, they were in the eight. Um, you know, they blew it at the end. Uh, we'll talk about what went wrong in a sec. Uh, the comeback of Kuno winning um, the goal kicking. Um, only going to get better again, I would have thought, Nick. And just when you say that the line was all good, we've got a line drama now. Matty, we'll, I'm going to pop you back on hold and get you to roll through with Jordan, and we'll just um, give that a kick up the backside, that line, and uh, and get it working again. A couple of texts that came through before um, in regards to um, should we be concerned that the pre-finals by game, uh, the first round of finals since we've had the pre-finals by, the first round of finals have tended to be fizzers. Only nine out of the 24 of them have been uh, three goals uh, by under three goals. Only six have been under two goals. Uh, Sammy, let me put your mind at ease. No other previous year with the buy round has had a season like this. Up until this season, the majority of top eight sides have been fairly set heading into the final round. The top eight was far from set come round 23 this is a unicorn season. Sit back and enjoy the ride. That's from Claire on the from the coldest survey. See, that's what I don't like being the pessimist. I don't like being the wet blanket. And now you're getting me. Um, big, I'm, I'm starting to put my positive pants on for Damien Hardwick. One leg uh, at a time. I've got my first foot in. I, I had a hunch that that might be the the feeling coming through, and I'm glad it is. Uh, off the text. Why do first week finals have to be close? Well, they don't have to be, but wouldn't you rather them? I mean, if these are the best eight teams for the season, would we not rather that the finals are as close as they can possibly be and an accurate representation of the standard uh, that it takes to get into the top eight? Yeah, so they don't have to be, but I reckon we'd all rather them be. Uh, I think Matty's back. Matty, how are you? Uh, Good, Matty. It's a bit scratchy, so uh, let me know if it doesn't work so well. So, um, yeah, love what they did this year, Carlton. They should have played the eighth. Um, a lot of positives to take out of it. Uh, the, the, the one real issue is, obviously, that didn't go right. Their, their footy house at the crunch at the end was just <laughs> pathetic. Well, not really. They just didn't know how to, to win a game. They should have won both those last two games. Um, but uh, that's where they can improve enormously. Uh, they'll be better second year in uh, with Vossi. Under their uh, under their um, tutelage of him and the other fellas there, uh, what what I reckon they they've got a lot of inside mids. What they really need is two classy wingmen. So Fisher played a bit on one. Dow hasn't worked out the other. Probably doesn't kick it as well uh, as you would like. But I reckon they need a couple of wings. Uh, Saab, Williams in defence, fine. Saab. Maybe a small back as well, so Saad doesn't have to play on the small forwards and he can get released a bit. But they just need, I reckon, a couple of outside runners to complement their, their really good inside mids. Really, really uh, stocked up in their key forward area, uh, considering Sam DeConnick couldn't even get a game at the end. And um, their key backs, 
obviously Jones comes in or he's not the BL Lindor. Uh, but Young and, and Wiedemann were pretty good last year. Maybe another classy key back, but they're hard to find. Yeah, losing their last four games. Losing their last four games. Um, they just needed to get one of those, really, in the end. It'll yeah. it'll keep them uh, working hard on the track. It'll keep them up at night over the summer. And, and I think the years of success from where they were to where they are now. And, and I think you're right. There's big things around the corner for the Blues. So for and, St Kilda... real pressure next year. Real yep. pressure next year on them. Mm. Yep, absolutely. St Kilda, what went right? Oh, gee. They start... They were eight and three, weren't they, Sam? Yeah, they were. The top of my head. Before the bye, and uh, they got themselves into the four at one point. You've got to love Wilkie. In defence, 191 centimetre playing on Blake's a lot bigger and taller than him. Um, other than that, they didn't have a lot go right. Um, this was... I, I would class it as a very average to poor year. They should have made the eight on eight and three. Um, they And what went wrong, you know, they go three eight, but unbelievably inconsistent with their effort their best their effort with their best and their effort with their worst was just like poles apart mm. that is not finals a finals team it was staggering to see some of the games how little pressure they put on the opposition um it was it, it, there was a massive difference um they, they need to fix a couple of things so what they need i put their first thing down is they need to fix their brand. What do they stand for? I don't know what it is. It's hot and cold. They need to fix that big time. Um, need to replace Ryder. Now, Max Heath might be the bloke to do it, but he's only a 20-year-old. Um, um, the um, the one they got now is a good ruckman, but uh, just some support. Uh, I'm going to put down the reason, and this is the biggest reason they fell off the face of the earth. Their leadership, I reckon, is not very good. Heavy reliance on Jack Steele, week in, week out. They need some other players to jump up here. Um, and and attitude, week in, week out. So that, they should be doing some major leadership stuff, maybe with leading teams in the off-season, to get this sorted out, because they should have made the eight this year. They were, that's a disappointing year for them. And, and so, apart from leadership, what else do they need in terms of their list? Well, not a lot, because I'm assuming Coffield comes back and Hunter Clark comes back and you've got Sinclair, so you've got good running backs. They probably need another key back to support Howard and Wilkie. Battle, I thought, wasn't bad this year. Um, Max King obviously needs to fix his kicking woes. Uh, maybe another person in memory was pretty good all year, but uh, maybe uh, someone else to help him up in the forward line as well, but they've got small forwards in Butler and Higgins. Um, they've got inside mids. They've got outside runners in Hill and uh, the like. So yep. they, they've got a good balance of list, but it's their attitude is the greatest uh, improvement to come from them. Yep. And their, their attitude and leadership and a better brand of footy is what they need to do, not so much personnel. Absolutely. Lo I love Jack Steele. He's one of my favourite players in the competition. I think if you were starting a team from scratch, you'd be mad not to have him in one of the first people yep. you pick for all the reasons that you're talking about, leadership and willing to, willingness to compete and, and just the class of player that he is and how tough a player he is. But I reckon Jade Gresham's the most important. When he was fit and firing, that was when they were at their best in the first half of oh, the look, year. He's a, he's, so he's the yeah, barometer for me. Uh, what about Port really Adelaide, Matty? Port Adelaide, what uh, went right? Yeah, <laughs> quite right. 
uh, were their recovery from zero five mm-hmm. was right. The Rosie move into the midfield was outstanding. Gets in the All Australian team from a, from halfway through round five, uh, the fifth round, I reckon it was against Carlton. Uh, the Finlayson Dixon ruck uh, scenario ended up being not bad for them. I think I think it was a positive, and it gives them options for next year. And the two players who improved and. Basically, bar Rosie, the only other two that improved, I thought, was Pal Pepper and Marshall. They were the positives. Uh, obviously, the negatives were, geez, it was a horror start, 0-5. I, I, I reckon they had a soft pre-season. Sammy thought they'd ease into the season and get home hard. Well, they did get home hard, but they didn't make it. Uh, you were off them from, the no, from 0-3. Yes. Uh, you were spot on. They had a soft pre-season. Uh, Lysette going down, well, I'm not sure it was an actual, um, you know, didn't go right for him, but he's an important player for him. He's such a competitive, com- combative person, and it would allow him to be even more dangerous in the forward line if he was there. So that was, I think it was an important loss for them. But what they need to fix up is there is have a, you know, a massive preseason plus this this small forward line which destroyed Geelong. Uh, this time last year um, has all but dissipated <laughs> inside a year. Gray retired. Fantasia can't get on the park. Rosie into the midfield. Motlock retired. So they'd four small forwards cause all sorts of havoc last year. None at the moment if Fantasia can't get on the park. So they desperately need a small forward, a, a gun small forward, one of them at least, because they're not taking Rosie out of the forward line. So that is what from a personnel point of view, that's what they need to fix. The rest of the team is looking pretty good. They should rebound straight back into the eight with a really good preseason. They should get smashed within a millimetre of their lives in the off-season, and uh, they'll rebound straight back in. All right. Now, we've got to pick up the pace after the break to get through the Suns, the Hawks, the Crows, the Bombers, the Giants, the Eagles, and North Melbourne. Matt Rendell giving us the what went right, what went wrong, and what do they need for the teams that didn't make finals this year on the Maccas Run. Try the quarter pound of Baker at Maccas today. Welcome to the Maccas Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Maccas today. Um, while you're grabbing the Big Mac, grab the quarter pound of bacon at Macca's today. Matt Rendell's with us to run his eye over the teams that didn't make finals. What went right? What went wrong? And what do they need? Matty, you're up to the Suns, and we've got to fly through. What yep, went right let, for the Suns? I'll fly, through, I'll fly through the Suns. I love their brand. They were competitive. Chol was the trade of the year. Love took Miller, been over him, all over him for two years. Love their small forwards. What didn't go right? Obviously, King getting injured at the start of the year and Rankin wanting to leave. That's, uh, that's going to hurt bad. Well, they need another key back to, to complement Ballard and Collins. A small back to replace Butterick, who's done his knee again, and they need a big-bodied mid. Um, Hawks. What went right? Love their brand. Love their brand. Love their running backs. Uh, Mitch Lewis. Gunston returned. Competitive. They got games into kids. Uh, Newcomb looks a star. That was their positive. Blown away in too many games. They, they were hot and cold. Uh, which was disappointing, but they'll fix that up as they get more mature. They need a ruck um, to pro- replace McAvoy. Probably another key forward. Got Kaczynski and Lewis. Probably another one would help, especially if they lose Gunston. And a small forward, Dylan Moore, played a fair bit in the midfield. I know he's he could be a really good small forward, but he's really good in the midfield as well. 
So um, they're pretty well settled, and I think they'll have a big year next year. Crows. Uh, gee, a lot went right for them. Love their brand, their pressure. You know, they had a 288 pressure game or quarter against Sydney. Unheard of. Mind you, Sydney had a 300 pressure game. Games into the kids, improvers. Fogarty, Malera came back, played on the wing late in the season. Good. Keys forward, good move. Dawson uh, and Shoal were the two best traits of the year. And if they if they get ranking, which they probably will, uh, oh, he's just going to be icing on the cake. What didn't go right for him? Not a lot. Seedsman missed the whole year after having a career best year last year. Really hurt him. Uh, ball going inside 50. Didn't see much of Peddler and Cook, who were high picks last year. We'd like to see more of them. Um, but they're, they're rebuilding beautifully here. They get Rankin, um, and they should make the same offer they made for Rankin for Horn Francis for next year and get him in, and then they're done, and let's just climb up the ladder. Bombers? Um, Essendon. Uh, what went right for them? Well, zero. Absolutely zero. Uh, their pre-season was poor. You could tell how unfit they were just watching them on television. Well, they could. Uh, didn't see him live. Losing Tipper at the start of the year Tipper, uh, was was uh, hurt them because he's been a uh, magnificent for them. And Cox as well on the wing, really really good first year last year. Didn't play at all. Um, so not a lot. Losing their coach. Uh, don't know what their game plan was. They looked like they were playing Richmond style three last year. Their brand just capitulated this year. Uh, their leadership was poor Their competitiveness was poor Nothing went right for them um, What they need They need another key back uh, Laverde trying to play on what 200 centimetre blokes is Doing him no favours They need a, a massive flogging In the pre-season Which they'll get And another key forward to support um, uh, Wright and a, and a gun small forward if they can find one. They really haven't been able to replace. They didn't replace Tipper this year, and it hurt them. Oh, we've got about two minutes. Uh, the, the Giants? Uh, the Giants, uh, I think probably the worst for the season of, of the clubs. Their average uh, their average draft pick of their top six pl- eight players in the midfield, uh, Sam, is about five. So it's like they've got five. They've picked eight players at pick five in the draft. They were a disgrace this year. They were so unfit. They need to get a flogging too, and they need a lot of things going right. Key forward and key back in particular. But the best thing will happen to them is they'll get smashed in the preseason. West Coast zero went right for them. Uh, preseason once again they're overweight. They got too many fatties. COVID hurt them. They got a lot of injuries. And once again another team with a flogging. Uh, what do they need? They need to rejuvenate their midfield. They've only got one young kid there, Chesser, who's got injured at the start of the year. Need some running backs. A ruck to replace that annually. Key forward, will they get Oscar Allen back? And a couple more gun mids north. Uh, well, the best thing that happened to them was Clarkson. Uh, no doubt about that. So let's go to the review first thing, Clarkson. They need a good preseason. They weren't fit as well. All these teams down the bottom, there's a common denominator, Sam. Their brand was poor. They spent too much time on tactics and strategy, not enough time on getting fit. And they need another key forward, obvious, captain obvious, a key back to complement McKay. McKay, who could be uh, All-Australian next year. Core, I like. And they need a gun small forward as well to complement another tall forward at Larky. 
Um, so they've got some work to do, but most of those teams are in the bottom seven. They just need to get fitter. There's like I could I watched them and they were so poor, Maddie, in, in defending. You're an absolute star. I've got 10 seconds left, mate. I've got to love you and leave you, but thanks for that. That was brilliant. No worries. Matt Rendell, Durrani's eye, but what went right, what went wrong, uh, and what your club needs, uh, who didn't make finals this year. Hey, Sporting Capital's up next. We've got Footy Tinder. We're going to talk Rugby League with Scott Sattler, uh, and you can get involved as well. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.